This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! Take a shot! Post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it, hard deflection, and a goal! Goes to Mitchell, it's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! has finally returned to talk Swindon. Hello, Connor. Hello, Rich. Yeah, late drama. I felt it was uh, worth deeming, worth gracing you all with my presence. Uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm back on the pod uh, at long last and it, it feels good to be back. Oh, it's great to have you back. How is life on the mainland? Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, I mean, I've not been watching nearly enough Swindon Town, which I'm sure you'll hear when you hear my opinions later on in the podcast. So I'm just getting that there. Um, sort of ahead of time. I have been watching a lot of football though uh, and, and enjoying that. Um, but yeah, very much um, feel like I left at the right time um, just in terms of the way life's going at the moment. So um, there you go. Bit smug, mate. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Just, you know, I missed out on a bank <laughs> well, holiday. So, you know, it can't, it's not all sunshine oh, and roses. Oh, well, yeah. My thoughts go out to you at that tough time, <laughs> which no doubt it was. We are recording... Right on the whistle. So I'm still just about, well, I'm recovering still after that dramatic and very satisfying conclusion. Connor, how are you feeling? 
Um, I feel good, yeah. Um, I think uh, like the first things that I, I can really think about the game as a whole now that we've seen it all is that pretty much that was a good performance over 90 minutes um, against a very good team. Um, I think if you were looking at that game as a neutral, which I don't know why you would be doing that, but like just let's say that you were doing that, um, I think you would have been pretty entertained between two good footballing teams. Um, and I think probably at the end of the day, it's uh, ended up as a, a reasonably fair result. Um, and uh, to get a draw in those circumstances with a couple of minutes left and it looking kind of unlikely um, does add to the satisfaction as well. So, um, yeah, I'm sure if you're a Bradford fan, you'd not be very happy uh, with how the uh, final few minutes went. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, I think justice has been served, even if, you know, maybe the decisions that led to the justice being served weren't correct. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll we'll get to that at some point. Plenty to talk about for this game. First of all, we can talk about starting lineup, which was a little bit different. So Scott Lindsay did rotate. Um, Bryn was still in goal. Um, at the back, we had Hutton, we had Blake Tracy, and in the middle, we had Clayton and Brennan coming in for Baudry. In the middle, we had, a, I think that's the first start in the league for Aguilar with Khan. Gladwin on, and Iandolo was playing, I think he was on the wings, wasn't he? And along with Williams, with Wakeling up top in what many people believe his rightful place. Um, lots of discussion about the starting lineup. And I think a lot of the listeners' contributions from the quick skim I did um, on, on Twitter is kind of like, well, fair play to Lindsay. He got, he got the squad right. What, what were you thinking pre game? And did that change as the 90 minutes? went by um I mean I think based on sort of some of the comments in the presser from earlier in the week I was expecting there to be some form of rotation so um when I saw the lineup and saw that there were a couple of changes that wasn't um particularly surprising I think if you're basing that the players that are in the matchday squad are all available for selection then I was a little bit surprised that Jeffcott wasn't in the team just in terms of what I did know of um Bradford was that you know they like a reasonably robust um, sort of team um, who, who also can play football. So you'd think that sort of having um, a link man that sort of can put himself about a bit um, would have been a really good choice from the start. But, you know, I can see the uh, um, the, the, the reasons why you would sort of go for Wakeling down the middle as well, because I think that's probably where we've seen um, his best football for us um, since he's been at the club as well. So, um Obviously, the, the main glaring omission is Reed, which I feel like we basically will now have to talk about every week because this seems to be a choice that Scotland's is going down in terms of not playing our best midfielder in his best position or at all. Um, I obviously have no idea why that is. Um, if if there was kind of a reason that was kind of put out there in the public domain of like they've fallen out, there's a tactical way that he's trying to go that doesn't really need like a deep-lying defensive midfielder, um, whatever that is, then I feel like I'd understand it more than just like this weird silence around us not playing our best player. Um, but um, so I look at it and it's kind of like one of those ones where I don't know whether you comment on it because it's kind of expected that he's not playing because it's not happened for a few games or if you do comment on it because it's still weird. I don't know. don't know how you feel about that, Rich. Yeah, I, I don't really know how to discuss the Reed situation because all of me wants it to be just a tactical thing, but to not give him a single minute, despite being on the bench in the last four league games is just, 
I mean, it's, it's been justified at the moment. Stevenage aside, it's 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 justified in our in our results. But I'm I'm still lean towards something isn't right there, and it's it's not necessarily form related. Yeah, I mean, I would I actually I would disagree in the sense that I would rather it was not tactics related. I'd rather it was that there was like some kind of personal issue there between the two of them, because th- that kind of thing could be resolved. Whereas you know, if you're not playing your best player for tactical reasons, then you're a bit thick. So uh, <laughs> I, w- I would like to think that like Lindsay has a genuine good reason rather than <laughs> it's, it's just sort of like looking at something and just coming up with the wrong answer. So um, yeah, it's the sort of thing I, I hope that it comes up in a press. Like why are you not playing Louis Reed? Because um, yeah, although I've, I've probably not been keeping up to the uh, up to date with them as much as I should have been doing, um, but I've not heard an explanation of why that's not happening. I don't think uh, there seems to be anyone. So, yeah, I mean, looking at the team, you kind of think, well, that's the glaring omission. I think otherwise, um, I kind of liked a couple of the um, couple of the selections made. It's nice to see Iandolo back in the team um, um, after after such a long time um, at the start of the season out um, and sort of, yeah, having to work his way back in. Um, and uh, obviously as well, we are still kind of, although a fair bit of the season has been played, now, for, for me, it was quite nice to see a couple of the players that I've not seen um, quite so much of. And obviously Aguiar as well, who we, we have seen a bit of, um, but not for a while. So, um, yeah, I think it's one of those ones where I think you, you go into the game, given how we've been playing recently in terms of results, at least you kind of have to give it the benefit of the doubt. And uh, I think based on the performance, probably deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it... It didn't feel like it was going to go our way. And I say go our way because we've got a point late on. But the first half wasn't our finest performance. Too bad. It was okay. Um, talk me through your thoughts of the first half. Uh, so I, th- I think where most of us will agree is that the first 15 minutes or so were really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. We looked pretty dangerous. Um, and then Bradford kind of... They've been playing. I think Bradford also started the game quite well and were playing some really high risk, high reward football. Not quite getting the reward, but not being punished for the risk. Um, and they just kind of clicked into gear a little bit more and became the better team for the final sort of half an hour of so the final two thirds of the first half. Um, I think, to be honest, for the most part, I don't see that as like an indictment on us. Um, I kind of more see it as we played a good team at their home and uh, they had a dominant spell in a half that we also played some good football. Um, I, I do think that the goal that we concede is poor um, from a defensive standpoint. I don't think that we should really have been stepping up at that particular moment in time, which is kind of what gives um, right sort of the freedom of the uh, of Valley Parade to kind of uh, slot that one in. Um and then after that, I think we were a little bit, not rattled, but I feel like we we weren't, a, we kind of had to go back to basics and we weren't playing a proper game. We were kind of trying to make sure that Bradford didn't go in with another goal advantage before half time. Uh, so it definitely wasn't the best football that we've played this season, um, at least, uh, definitely from what I've seen anyway. Um, but by no means was it the worst either. I think there were positives to take from the half and, uh, it was interesting kind of scrolling through different opinions at halftime because I was kind of thinking, you know, it's been a pretty decent game. I think Bradford have been the better team, but not by a huge amount. Um, but I think there are a lot of people that sort of seem to disagree. And uh, I can see, I can kind of see where they're coming from as well. Like uh, probably the frustrating thing, and I don't know how you'd see this, is 
that we we were seeming to approach the game a little bit more defensively and it, it kind of I know Bradford are good and they've got an experienced manager, but they were below us in the table at the start of play and they obviously still are. Um, so I kind of would have liked to take the game to them slightly more than we did. But given the reality of the situation and like the, how early we are in the in the, in the season, um, I think what we probably needed to do was get a good result against one of the challengers because I guess that's one of the markers that has been missing so far. So um, the way that we approached it is not necessarily the worst way of going about it. Yeah, I completely agree, and I don't really have much more to add to what you've already what you've already said there. I, I don't. I think it's becoming apparent at the moment that maybe Leighton Orient aside, who we, we took a point from, is there's no one really to fear in this division. So a little bit more oomph in that first half early on, as the first half proceeded, would wouldn't have gone amiss. But it wasn't the crime of the century to do what they did. No, absolutely not. And I mean, I think, to be honest, on the, on the display that we saw from Bradford across the 90 minutes, I think you'd have to say they're kind of up there as a team with Leighton Orient, at least on yeah. the um, evidence that we've seen in the two 90 minutes we've played against both teams. Um, so, yeah, it's not, it's not like I said, it's not the crime of the century to kind of adapt your approach. Um, it is probably one of the tougher games and tougher away places to go, um, especially on a Tuesday night and covering that kind of distance. Um, and, you know, potentially they've got sort of half an hour and other fixtures, which, you know, you can kind of make positive or negative points about as well. So, uh, yeah, for me, I, I would have probably liked to have seen a slightly more aggressive approach from Swindon. Um, but I think that's just like how I see football. And, uh, yeah, if I, if I saw football slightly differently, then I might be quite happy with how they've gone into it. I'm trying to kind of make sure that we do come home with a point and then snatch for it if we, if we can. Biggest moment for Swindon in the first half really was the injury to Fraser Blake Tracy, who went off after 20 minutes. Tyree Shade coming on. How how much of a loss could that be for Swindon? Uh, I mean, definitely, if if that's like a longer absence, then that would be a huge loss. Um, in terms of, I think he's he's been really solid since he's come in. Um, sort of has a lot of energy. Seems to he just seems to be everywhere on the left whenever I watch Swindon play, which um, I think is a, is a good thing. Um, and um, you know, based on um, many of our esteemed colleagues on the panel, I think um, a lot of co- a lot of praise has gone his way this season, and also um, comments that he's kind of grown into it from um, a start that I was already sort of relatively encouraged by as well um, in August when he was uh, playing in front of my own two eyes. Uh, so, yeah, depending on how long that absence will be, it could be a really big thing, or it could be. Uh, something that we can cope with if it's a couple of weeks because, you know, there are options at, at left-back if if Reese defines fit, for example. Um, if Iandolo can stay fit, then he slots in perfectly. And, um, I mean, I think that the issue was that between Blake Tracy and Iandolo in the first sort of 15, 20 minutes, um, you had quite a dynamic start to affairs. They were kind of swapping around a little bit, getting here, there and everywhere. Um, and I think it just took a little bit of time for... Iandolo to adapt to the new role that he was playing a little bit further back. Um, obviously, it's one that he's really familiar with, but just hadn't been playing uh, that that evening. Probably hadn't received like the full tactical instructions for um, pre-game, um, and then also for for Shade to just get into the game. And I think for him coming in at a time where Bradford had just got warm and he was sort of completely cold, probably um, wasn't the ideal introduction. I think he was probably one of the sort of worst performers for Swindon in the first half before them playing a lot better in the second half. So um, 
I think it's one of those ones where, yeah, if it's a longer period of time, it'll be a big absence. If it's a shorter period of time, then I think we're pretty well stocked on the left to sort of deal with it. But um, yeah, I hope he's uh, okay. Um, obviously on a human level and also because he's a good football player. Yeah, of course, of course. Goes without saying. <laughs> but not always. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Fair enough. Second half was great fun. Uh, you, you know, there were there were pauses. I was watching with five or six others, and there were there were pauses because things were happening, and it was just. I'm still at the mindset at the moment that I'm thinking Bradford will think, how on earth have we not won that? Um, because they had chances in that second half to to put us to bed, and I was saying we're going to score, we're going to score because Bradford are being wasteful, and I proved to be right. But it was it was regardless of whether we deserve to come out of that with a point or not, which I think we did uh, deserve that point. It was, it was a great second half uh, for what we've been treated on iFollow in recent years. Yeah. I mean, Tuesday nights uh, away from home and especially when you've been doing your, uh, your live streams um, have not been happy hunting grounds um, in recent times. So um, good to get a point on the board and we can only look up from there. Um, I think it's one of those things like going into halftime things sort of, Felt slightly flat, but the good thing about the way that we've sort of ha- have the squad structured this year um, is that there are options in reserve um, in in certain places, and especially in midfield, um, where you had um, Ronan Darcy, you can really add a bit of bite and a bit of energy to a game, um, a little bit of creativity as well, um, and obviously you have Luke Jeffcott on the bench, who um, is probably the best goal scorer at the club um, at the moment. I mean, probably, I don't really think there'd be much of an argument about it, really, would there? Um, so it was one of those things for for all of the negative things that you could have said about Swindon in the first half um, there was always the kind of glimmer of hope and the I guess the agonising hope that things could get better in the second half and so they did um, I think uh, the introduction of Darcy really did pep things up um, and just I think a, a little bit of what we were trying to do in the first 15 minutes of the first half sort of seemed to actually start working in the, in, in the second half. So I can think of two occasions where Wakelings just got straight in between the two centre-halves, split them and somehow managed to get a free run and goal. And unfortunately, he's just kind of, I guess, been put off just by the the, the positioning of the centre-half, trying to get back in um, and, and fired wide on both occasions. but um, Or maybe wide on one and into the arms of the goalkeeper on another. But... When you're getting into those positions, that's 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 always a really good sign. Um, I think we we seem to sort of have a lot more of the ball, which I think that's what this team needs to do to kind of really stamp their mark on the game. Is like make sure that they are controlling possession and uh, working the openings. Um, and, and you know, you look at the the players that you've got and uh, um, Clayton Gladwin, um, even Sol Brin with some of the passes that he's able to make. Like they're all able to make sort of good. Um, sort of darts forward with, uh, and, and passes forward. Well, darts forward is the wrong the wrong term. Sorry, uh, but yeah, like good 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 balls forward to kind of um, get Wakeling sort of ferreting around and doing what what he's really good at doing. So um, I think in general we did we kind of probably did what we wanted to do in the first half a lot more effectively in the second half just with the person that we brought on. Um, and then once you bring on Jeff Cott later on in the game, um, then that gives you more of a focal point and uh, you know, probably made Bradford think a little bit, uh, think twice about um, a few of the sort of things that they had to do in the, in the defensive sense. And uh, once you create that kind of uncertainty, you lead to sort of little mistakes, if you can call it that, that lead to things like the penalty. So 
um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with the second half performance. Um, even if you, you could kind of have seen it sort of petering out and us not scoring, but um, we did and uh, we ride. Huzzah, we do. Talk to me about Jacob, Jake Wakeling. A lot of attempts to try and get him through the middle. I think, <laughs> I think as it was joked in 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 the call that I was in and in the watch along that I was in, like if we stop shooting at the goalkeeper's chest, we might we might have some joy. The Wakelin looked close, and I think if we would have lost that game, he probably would have got man of the match from the listeners because. Like we see every week, he just keeps running and running and running and running and in the hope that something happens. And it got so close and he is a good few games without a goal now. And those who want him going down the middle instead of Jeff Cart or they want him up front, you can see why they, they're so adamant that this happens because he's a nuisance. Yeah, no, he, he he works really hard. I think wherever you put him on the pitch, he he, he works really hard and um, gets into good positions. Um, I think couple of points in the game where his finishing just was a little bit to be left a little bit to be desired and um as well when you kind of play a system where you know you've got such a good cross of the ball down the right with Hutton um it kind of feels a little bit wasteful to have someone who's not a little bit bigger and um able to kind of um sort of score a goal almost from nothing like you saw with the the, the Jeff got goal against Hartlepool at the weekend um well yeah not not from nothing from Jeff Cott's point of view because it's a, a pretty good chance but you know, whipping in the ball from there and then getting a, a, a good header of the ball. Um, so um, I can kind of see both sides of it. I feel like almost, I kind of look at Jacob Wakeling and I feel like this is a completely ludicrous sort of comparison, um, but I'm going to make it anyway just because it's content. Um, but I kind of feel like in the era of kind of like a four-four-two and a, like a sort of smaller, sort of a big man, small man, um, kind of partnership he could kind of sort of fulfill like a kind of league two version of like a Michael Owen kind of player and that he's, he's quick gets around the pitch and um, you know can get into the position to sort of score a, um, a decent goal um, obviously not a direct I, I don't want to make it like a completely direct comparison but I feel like it, it's one of those ones where we maybe at some point we want to sort of try and find a way of playing together in the way that we did with like um, Doyle and Yates for example in, in certain parts of that um, enjoyable season a few years ago um, but you know while he's also able to sort of play out wide it seems like that might be the best option as well similar as well to points of the, the Doyle and Yates partnership so I, I think he just seems to be a player that's able to work hard and run regardless of where he is because he's playing hard for the team um, and while he does that I feel like you know you can have a gold right here and there because what he does for the team sort of is more important than just sort of goals, goals, goals. Um, and also, you know, if you keep doing that, you're going to get in the position where you're going to get one eventually. So um, maybe for his confidence, it would have been nice if he'd have been able to sort of get the penalty, um, get a goal into his account and, um, you know, maybe feel that that full level of confidence going into Mansfield at the weekend. But equally, you can see why you've, you've given it to sort of a more seasoned finisher. Dean says fans need to trust the manager now as his changes are making the difference was this point today pretty much down to what Scott Lindsay did in the second half in terms of changing things up mixing things up a bit I don't know <laughs> is, is the sad the strange thing I, I I kind of I go back and forth in it where I kind of think 
you know, it, if he's bringing players on and they're positively affecting the game, then that must be like a sign of sort of decent game management or good game management. Uh, you could also then say, well, why weren't they on the pitch to begin with? Like, if that was our best plan, then we could have been doing that from the start of the game. There might be certain reasons why certain players, for fitness reasons, can't start a game but can finish it and all of that, which I have no idea of. Um, but Scott Lindsay obviously will. Um, so I kind of, I, I really don't know um, on this one. I think the thing that kind of frustrates me a little bit is that some some of the decisions that are sort of made do just kind of seem like we we actually have a really good hand. But we ha- I think the squad as a whole, we've not got quite the quality that we had last year at the top end in terms of like, I think the that we, we lost some of our best players and the players that have come in to replace them aren't quite at that standard. But in terms of the breadth of the squad and the quality throughout it, um, I think you could, in most positions, you could be, you could make an argument about this player should play over this player. Actually, no, this player should play instead of that player. Um, and you you could make like that, that it wouldn't be too controversial because the, the standards of the players isn't too bad. And, and, and that, probably is a good thing in terms of, you know, if things aren't working at, on the hour mark, um, then you're not actually drastically making the team worse by taking um, a midfielder off and putting, I don't know, so say, say that, um, yeah, one of the midfielders, say Gladwin, for example, had an off day and you put Darcy on, then that doesn't make the team significantly worse or significantly better. It just kind of changes your configuration. Whereas I guess there were points last season where like, say Payne wasn't having a good game you take him off and you put in, like, I know, Ryan East on, then not only do you change your configuration in midfield, you also make it significantly worse. So um, it's, I, I kind of, the way that I'm looking at the moment is I think what you really have to praise this season, I could be wrong with this, is the way that the squad has been put together in terms of a lot of the pieces are there um, and all we need to work out is the way to use them rightly. Um, and I think in, in instances we are, um, getting the manager put putting them all there correctly. Um, there are still it. There are still decisions where I'm still kind of a bit puzzled, but that could just be me. <laughs> well, it, it might be. It might be. Um, Thomas observes that it was Ricky Aguas' uh, first start in the league this season. Um, it's a big game to come in and start in. He was quite quiet. Thomas says presumably. The Aguilar experiment ends here. Is that fair? I'm not quite sure it is, given the opposition. Uh, I yeah, I mean, he was he was relatively quiet, but not in the sense of. I, I don't think it was in the sense of doing anything wrong. I think it, it, if you look at, it, I think he sort of kept everything ticking over quite nicely. We all know what he can do from sort of when we've seen him a little bit more last season, and you pro- probably he was in there to do a specific job to kind of keep things tight and, uh, um, yeah allow the players around him to sort of like maybe acting more as a foil for someone like Jacob Wakeling um, and, um, uh, and the wingers and uh, Gladwin um, and, and Khan around him rather than sort of just being able to sort of break forward and sort of with complete impunity, like he did in a couple of the games that he was really good at um, in the sort of February, March time of last season um, where, you know, you have Louis Reed behind him sort of completely, um, bossing the midfield and he's just able to break forward and score two against Walsall as, a, as an example. So um, I wouldn't consider what we did with him an experiment. I think he's earned his place in the team based on, you know, 
some decent minutes as a sub. Obviously, he'll have trained with the team and, and, and Scott Lindsay will know all about his qualities. Um, and I don't think necessarily it should end either. I think if you have a decent but sort of unspectacular performance in your first game back in the team after a while as a starter, then that's actually probably a good basis to sort of crack on and uh, hopefully put in a couple of um, slightly better performances in the coming weeks. So, you know, maybe for Mansfield, he might not be in the team. I don't know. But um, I think he is definitely an option for the coming weeks and uh, I'd be happy to see that. Yeah, agreed. Let's talk about the goal, the equaliser, because my head's spinning still after after watching that. So I don't think I can quite do the usual sort of 45-hour-long deep dive into this. So forgive us, um, presser on Thursday and then back again for the Mansfield game. So we'll, we'll talk a bit more there and maybe compare um, the two performances. It's a very, very harsh penalty, um, which I took great delight <laughs> in seeing Mr. Simpson point into the spot. Yeah, um, I think there's, we were discussing this in the sort of group chat after the game. In, instinctively to me, and I don't know what the handball rule is this week, could have changed. I, um, <laughs> instinctively to me, but yeah, exactly, I, I fab, I'm coming for you. Um, but. Um, <laughs> Instinctively, to me, that's a handball because it kind of hits his hand while it's moving towards the ball. His, I mean, his arm's by his side, but it's not. It's kind of like out. It blocks like a decent cross. For me, that's handball. But like ultimately, as well, like I know that at some point the rule has been, you know, unnatural arm position, and it's not an unnatural arm position. Um, it's probably not intentional either. Obviously, we can't mind read, so um, I can't say a hundred percent. So I can see, I mean, I'd probably be annoyed if it was given against Swindon, but in a neutral game, would I think it's not a penalty? I'd kind of be like, oh, you know, what's a handball? What even is it in, in the year 20, of our Lord 2022? It's, uh, it's, a difficult, it's, a, it's a difficult thing, isn't it, Rich? So, yeah, I, I, I kind of think you, these things happen, don't they? Uh, and we've, we've got the rub of the green with a decision that I don't know if it's necessarily correct or incorrect. I again, this is why I miss you. Um, I completely agree. And if I'm a neutral, I love the drama of the 90th minute penalty. Um, if I'm a Bradford fan, I'm livid. I mean, I, and I did the the Swindon test. If that was Tom Clayton doing that, I think I want to go on the pitch um, <laughs> and tell the referee he's he's wrong. <laughs> so you know, it, it's not the worst decision in the world. I can absolutely see why the referee's given it. Maybe I'm overanalyzing. He tries to cross it in. It hits his hand. It's given as a penalty. As you would say, we ride. Yeah, totally. And, and I mean, I think it kind of highlights just the way that, like, I, I keep, I've criticised already twice or three times, like, the confusion around the handball rule. And I'm sure that there'll be someone listening to this being like, no, there's no confusion around it. This is what has been communicated as for this season. And that is probably the correct opinion. Um, but I just think when you watch, when if you've been watching sort of football on TV and look, f- footballing grounds for the last like three or four years, uh, then there have been so many different interpretations of what is a handball. Um, there's so many different thresholds for like what's a handball on the pitch and what's a handball um, if VAR's in um, use at a higher level. Um, then also like how that's then filtered down to referees, I guess, at a lower level as well. And um, that I honestly. If a referee knows what the handball rule is, then hats off to them. 
you know what I mean? Like, it, 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 <laughs> I just, I, I really couldn't tell you. And I, I feel like the, the best thing that you can say about that is that if that was given as a handball penalty in the Premier League, then VAR's not taking it back. Um, so probably from that side, we're, we're, we're fine. And to be honest as well, uh, a late equaliser is always a lot of fun. A late equaliser with like a little side, side order of injustice is even more sweet. Uh, so um, sorry for any Bradford fans that have somehow made it half an hour into, into this um, and are still listening. Um, but it, it is quite enjoyable, even if I, I don't wish any ill on your club. No, Bradford City are definitely the sort of fan base that have got a couple that would listen to this 30 minutes in and wait for that moment where those <laughs> silly, those those Swindon slugs have said it's a definite penalty. Bloody country bumpkins, yeah. Yeah, well, up the country bumpkins, I say. Um, I would, if they are listening, saying I think Harry Lewis needs some extra goalkeeper training because that was the tamest penalty and to and to fumble it back into the middle was um, was a surprise. Uh, Jeff got, got away with it. Who cares? 1-1. And the most amount of energy <laughs> saved for the celebrations. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I kind of, I had a, when I saw them sort of running down to the sidelines um, and um, celebrating like that, I was like, oh, it must be absolute limbs. And then you see that the, the limbs are more from the players than sort of the crowd down the front. It's <laughs> incredible. I I think that's that's a good thing as well. That that shows that the the club are fostering a really good team spirit within within the dressing room because I feel like that's quite the way that they were celebrating there felt like quite a natural kind of reaction to the events and like uh, togetherness within the group. Um I don't think that's unfair to say. Um so um more of that please. Um yeah penalties absolutely dreadful and like you know any goalkeeper's worth his salt could have probably had a swig of his water bottle, put his cap on it, um, maybe had a free course dinner and then then sort of <laughs> made the save. Um, but, you know, it, it's, luck, it's lucky from our perspective that the ball's been pushed straight back into Jeffcott's path. Uh, path and I think actually um, probably a little bit of an awkward one for him to squeeze in sort of um, on the rebound there. And uh, yeah, happy that we got it because... Uh, very, I, I did think that he was going to miss the penalty, to be honest, um, when I saw it. And when there was that very brief delay for um, the on-pitch excursion, probably from a lousy under-16-year-old, who knows. Um, but <laughs> um, Unruly behaviour. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, kick that out of modern football, I say. Um, but the uh, yeah, the fact that we managed to sort of get away with it and, uh, and get that moment towards the end... Um, I'm sure we'll have many Swindon fans travelling back to Wiltshire tonight um, in, a, in a very positive mood. And uh, for the um, not-so-many Swindon fans um, in a sort of German outpost, um, I'm going to be going to bed in a good mood tonight. So, yeah, brilliant. Huzzah! Brilliant. That's lovely to hear. They still made us endure a free kick in a dangerous position. And when when I saw Ryan East stepping up, I was like, surely <laughs> this, this is not the way it should go, is it? And he didn't take it, but the, it, when it was went over the wall, I was like, oh no! And then luckily, on the post. wide yeah. it went. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be honest, I think it's one of those things. I prob, prob, probably it, it would just be so deliciously Swindon Town to concede that, <laughs> oh, um, God. but. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that they didn't. And uh, to be honest, I, I didn't feel that stressed about it. I don't know what it was. I, I don't know if it was kind of that I, I kind of felt that because it had gone so long um, until the end before we equalised and I kind of didn't have the feeling that we would equalise even though we played well. 
and mm. I kind of just was very relaxed at that moment. I don't know what it is. Uh, so um, obviously, the, the 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 Bradford player taking the free kick was not relaxed enough and uh, did a bad job. You're, you're zen. You're, you're living your best life. <laughs> you're, you're in... I'm just emotionally detached. That's I don't know what's, what's oh, happened to me. What's it like? <laughs> is, it, is it good? No, I would say I'd say no. Okay, fair enough. So there we go. One one. I'm looking across the listeners' contributions, frantically hoping to read a definitive man of the match. But I'm going to have to uh, give you the man of the match from the listeners a bit later on because. It's a mixed bag, so I'm going to have to count them out. Um, so, Connor, you get the, the the joy of having to try and select a man of the match because it's it's been very it's been a it's been a constant this year where we've had a lot of sixes and sevens and not many major standouts. Do you think that was the same again today? I was yeah. I was literally before you said that. I was thinking in my head mostly a bunch of six and a halfs out of ten today. So lots of pretty decent performances, um, not a lot to write home about in terms of like really positive impacts on the game. Um, I think Wakeling's in the conversation just for the sheer endeavour and all of the runs that he was making. But for me, he missed too many chances to really be out of it. And I think there was also one point where I wanted to jump through the TV and just strangle him for um, under hitting a ball to Darcy, which um, really would have, um, you know, challenged the, the, the Bradford rearguard. Um, but then I kind of don't really know who I want to suggest. I, I was really glad to see Landolo there, and I think he worked really hard on that left-hand side as well. Um, but I don't know whether it's enough for man of the match. Um, it looks like Wakeling, Hutton, uh, Clayton is getting a few. Um, Gladwin, DM saying, how is Gladwin so fit this season? It's incredible, isn't it? They seem to be getting the majority of the nods. Few for Brennan, which is great to see. But it looks like Khan, Clayton, Wakeling um, at the first count. So I'm going to have to mm. dig in. And the joys of editing will tell you that the man of the match was Tom Clayton. But who are we giving ours to? Yeah, I mean, can I just comment on the Brennan one? I don't understand that because he's, he's at fault for the goal. But... Um... <laughs> Trying to be positive here, can't Yeah, you? no, well, I'm going to be positive in a minute. So, don't, um, <laughs> do you know what? I'm just going to, now that I'm just really detached from everything, I'm just going to be like, the goal, guy who scored the goal uh, is the one I want to meet. So, I'm going to give it to Luke Jeffcott. There we go. Oh, no, you're not. No, I'm joking. I'm not joking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I almost fell for that then. Yeah, yeah. Um, no. <laughs> um, for, I'm going to give it to Jacob Wakeling because he's the one that I can make the best case for even even if I think he did miss a couple of chances um, so good performance and hopefully um, that would be motivation for him a bit more confidence in the legs and he'll score a goal at the weekend yeah um, live messaging here from Dan Hunt who was at the game this evening uh, don't know if you guys have covered it above or in the chat but was pretty pleasing from Brennan tonight after a few shaky early moments. Baudry obviously comes back in on Saturday, but nice to know that Brennan has the type of performance in his locker. So, except for, you know, partly responsible for conceding. Yeah, and I think we should also cover that Dan um, is convinced that the the goal was offside, which I think at the from what I've seen is inconclusive, but um, he was right in line with it. So, um, potentially, he is right, and I, we can actually sort of 
cast aside any criticism of Brennan for the goal. I don't know. Dan wants a nil-nil draw because he also says it wasn't a penalty. So <laughs> he hates football. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he wanted to travel up to Yorkshire for a nil-nil draw well, and he didn't get it. It, wouldn't have, been, it wouldn't have been a nil-nil draw because although we did get given a penalty that he didn't think was a penalty, we scored from open play, Rich. Very true. Yes, contrary Connor strikes <laughs> again. <laughs> I'll say it again, I've missed it. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the listeners' contributions, just very, very happy, solid performance, deserve points, very decent point, would have taken that point here and is, is, is good, good starts, you know, totally justified point, game of two halves, um, and a few digs. I didn't see, I wasn't on social media this evening, Far too many negative posts at halftime. So it sounds like we went all in with with a bit of, of a wobble. But as Ian Wilmer says here, take a point all day. And it wouldn't be a disgrace if we did the same at Mansfield. Yeah, I think that, that, that that's fair enough. Um, I would really like us to get three points at Mansfield uh, just because... Um, that would be sort of more fun for sort of the, the vibe chaser inside me. Um, but, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll take what comes, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Would. I don't think there's really anything else to discuss, given that it's almost midnight in Deutschland and you've got work in the morning. So we'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll paper the cracks in, on the presser in a couple of days' time. And Connor, I'll say it's good to have you back and thank you very much. Yep, thanks for having me. See you later. The Lone Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has that bubble? Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy. Or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.